that's my cue, and these guys are clearing out. They're like, okay, we know when it's time to make tracks. Thank you, angels and shepherds and Mary and Joseph. I'm just waking up my timer here again to try and, uh, for what it's worth. Okay, so how's everybody doing so far this morning? It's a great Christmassy morning. You wake up and everything's frosted and slippery. Anyone do any ice skating in the driveway this morning? I did some interesting gymnastics last night, so uh, getting something out of the car. I'm like, I'll just run out and get that out of the truck. Yeah, it was... I have this dear elderly lady that lives across the street from me. She's always in her window, and I'm sure that gave her <laughs> some amusement. I think she saw it coming. Freezing rain. Here, let's just wait. But... uh we all got here okay. Um, again, for those, if you're, uh, if you're new and visiting, because you're all kind of new to me, because um, I'm visiting here as well. This is my, my third Sunday here. And so uh, welcome if you're, if you're visiting. And thank you so much for coming back if you're not visiting. But you knew I was going to be here, and, and yet you came. And so that either shows great dedication to your church or something. But uh, we've been moving through a, a series this these, this Advent season looking at some of the songs that are recorded in the book of Luke. And these are little bits of scripture that are sometimes overlooked. I think I know myself as you go through, we tend to focus on kind of the story, the narrative, what happened next. This person said this, then they went here and they did this. And these, these sort of poetic interludes, I mean, we read them, but they, they feel I don't know, they almost feel foreign, don't they? They don't rhyme, they don't, uh, they don't sound like, like, uh, poetry, but we can tell there was something going on there. And so we've just been trying to look at these and see, okay, what's, what's going on? These are windows into the hearts of the people who were there and involved, and what can we learn? And so we've looked at Mary's song, we've looked at Zachariah's song, and we're gonna look at, uh, at Simeon this morning, but as I was uh, as I was thinking about this part of the story and and Simeon's uh, brief song and the words that he shares with them in the temple in Luke chapter two, I was reminded of a of a TV show. I, I it's always dangerous. I had one of my profs never use a TV show reference. They say, but I'm going to. And so uh, maybe you've you've seen or heard of this show. I've only watched parts of it a couple of times flipping through. It was called Undercover Boss. Anyone familiar with this? Kind of a neat concept, right? Um, you have some big, nameless, faceless corporation that employs lots and lots of people, and there's all kinds of bureaucracy, and the boss, the guy at the top, decides, you know what I'm going to do with a secret camera crew following me? I am going to, uh, I'm going to go and like apply for an entry-level job, and I'm going to work among the people secretly. I'm undercover, right? And so... Of course, we know how this unfolds if you've watched, right? The idea is that he, it's usually a he, but sometimes it's a she. They, uh, they get in there amongst the, uh, sort of the, the nameless face, faceless masses in their company and they're doing the sort of, sometimes the, the menial jobs or the re- repetitious jobs and they find out, you know, what is it like to work for me? And, uh, and they walk a mile in their shoes. They find out what their struggles are. And, and let's be honest, they do a bit of spying, right? They would love to hear somebody bad-mouthing the boss, and they're the boss, sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, tell me more. What's your name again? Right? Oh, yeah, no. So uh, so you've got this idea, but generally the whole premise of the show, it hangs on the idea that the boss shows up, and uh, and while all of these people work for the boss, 
None of them recognize the boss because they come in sort of dressed in, you know, the uniform of the, the working people and they don't introduce themselves as the boss. They introduce themselves as, I'm Joe, I'm the new guy in the shipping department, so uh, what's going on, right? And, and then at the end of the show, there's the big reveal and the boss usually learns something, right? It's hard working here, so I'm going to make some changes to make things easier for people. And this guy did a really good job. And this guy is looking for work tomorrow. And, uh, you know, whatever. And it sort of wraps up all nicely into a 22-minute episode that we uh, we can smile at and then flick to something else. And And it just occurred to me that there are, that's sort of what's going on in the incarnation, but really not. And Simeon helps us to see some of the differences. Because I think sometimes when we think about the Christmas story and the whole idea of of God with us, it maybe feels a bit like that, right? It's like God is is up there and out there, and he wanted to get a a closer look. So he came and he punched in with the rest of us slobs, and he walked among us for a little while. It's like while there were, there's parallels, there's some big differences, of course. And, and I think Simeon will show us some of those important things. And I think one of the big things we're going to see out of this is the idea that when when the promised king shows up, I'm not going to call Jesus the boss. I, that feels a little bit, little bit irreverent, even for myself. But when the promised king, because that's who he was, when the promised king arrives, his servants recognize him. His servants recognize him. He does come, in a sense, very much like an undercover boss. He's God, but he does not look like God. Um. But he was promised, he was foretold, and we see that when the promised king shows up, his servants recognize him. So we dive into Luke chapter 2. And just for a little bit of context, at this point in our story, uh, Jesus has been born. And so you've got this new young family, this first-time mom and dad, uh, figuring out just how clueless they are. And um, and they've got this new baby, and and they do what good law-abiding Jewish parents did in that day, You, on the eighth day, you, you take your baby boy to the temple to be presented and to be circumcised and all of the things that the law requires. And, um, and they meet a couple of characters. And so let's, let's read. I, wanna, I was going to read the, uh, the song itself, but I want to read the, the passage around it so that we have context. It won't take us that long. But uh, if you turn to Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 21. And can we stand together? If you're at Luke chapter 2, verse 21, you can, you can kind of follow along with me. Um, I'm reading out of an NIV this morning. If you're a slightly different version, it'll sound a bit different, but, uh, but we'll track together. And it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to law, the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, 
As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let's stop there. Thank you that uh, you may be seated. God bless the reading of his word this morning. And so. This is just kind of part of the Christmas story. The neat thing about the Christmas story, of course, is that it's recorded in Luke's gospel. It's recorded in Matthew's gospel, and they get some different details in there. So you can put together this composite picture. But here we see what's happening at the temple. And uh, and it centers around this song and um, of, of Simeon and the fancy Latin name, because we've been learning those this week. This is the Nunc Dimittis, if you want to impress your liturgical friends. That just means now dismiss. It's the first two words of the song in the Latin Vulgate. So the Nunc Dimittis is this, is this passage, and it can be set to music, but I am not going to sing it for you this morning in English or Latin. Um, and you can thank me for that later. So... So we've got this story, right? And I think context-wise, one of the things that we need to keep in mind heading into it is is what we've learned about Simeon. We know he was old. He was an older man. He was a righteous man. And that he had the Spirit of the Lord on him. Now, this is still in the part of the Bible that is that is pre-Pentecost. So not all of God's people had the Holy Spirit in them like God's people do after that event, right? And so the fact that the Spirit of the Lord was on him and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and made a promise to him, this specific promise, you are not going to die until you see the Messiah. And that that day, who knows what Simeon was doing? He was getting to go for a round of golf, getting ready to go for a round of golf with his buddies or something, but the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go to the temple. So we see that this is a guy who is righteous and he has a relationship with God. He listens to God, okay? So he wasn't just some random guy. That's what we need to know. And it was no mistake that he was there that day. God told him to go that day. And then we get this this song that he erupts into when he takes this boy in his arms. God has shown him this is the one. This little, tiny, helpless baby. Now, he was probably... um, There's probably a couple of events going on here when you read on the eighth day, he was circumcised and named. Then it says when the time of their purification, according to the law, had been completed, they went to the temple. That probably wasn't on the eighth day. Mary wouldn't have been allowed in the temple for like, I think it's 40 days after giving birth. But this is a this is a new baby. Still got the price tag on it. That great new baby smell. Mm, That was what we're dealing with. And Simeon, this old man, takes this baby into his arms and just kind of explodes into this song. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Because my eyes have seen your salvation. I think this, that first verse really carries so much weight when we think about it. He says, you've dismissed your servant in peace. And I think this is a, this is a guy who sees his role very clearly. Simeon had a role to play in the whole 
story of of God and his people, right? And he was he was blessed and fortunate to be at a time where God said, within your lifetime, you are going to see the Messiah coming. Now, maybe he thought that meant, I'm actually going to see this person come and do whatever he's going to do to, to deliver Israel. As he got older, maybe he struggled with, oh, maybe, you know, I better show up soon. Like, how old am I going to get? Right? But whether he was expecting to just see a baby or not, he knew when he saw the baby, this was it. And what was his response? It was, you've now dismissed me in peace. He has a very, very humble and clear-eyed view of the role he was to play. Simeon is not the main player in the story. He sees that. Jesus shows up. I'm dismissed. And there's a great parallel between that and, of course, the more well-known story of John the Baptist as he, um, you know, Zachariah's son, who we talked about last week, as he grew up and came, his whole job was to come and be sort of the forerunner to the Messiah. You're going to come and you're going to be the one that says, hey, everybody, get ready. He's right behind me. And you're to point him out. And, and John said those famous words when his disciples were not sure how the relationship between John, John, you were here first, and this upstart, Jesus, what's going on? And John goes, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about him. He must increase. I must decrease. My job is done. I now need to step aside and give the stage to the Messiah, because that's who it's all about. A servant recognizes the king when the king comes, and a servant steps aside. When Simeon's job was done, he could now step aside for the Messiah, and he did it in peace. It wasn't a big fight. It's like, oh, now I'm out of a job. I'm going to cling to power somehow. He he wasn't like Saul in the Old Testament, right, where God says, I'm moving, you know, I'm taking the kingdom from you and giving it to somebody else. And he did to his last breath. No way. I'm not going down with a... Simeon said, you know what? I get it. I've played my part. I'm going to step aside. And I think in a way that I don't know if they realized at that moment the significance of this, but of course we have the benefit of looking back and seeing the whole story. He is in a way representative of the whole Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the the temple that they were standing in, the old system, the God-ordained system for sure of relating with God, but it was the old system. And as was foretold all through the prophets, it's like, yeah, you know what, you've got this You've got the law, and the law is good, but a time is coming when I'm going to write the law on your hearts. I'm going to bring someone who is going to going to bring my people to me in a new way. There's going to be a new deal, a new covenant. And so Simeon, Simeon was not an official person. He wasn't the high priest or anything. He was, he was just a guy who was listening to God. But his attitude would have been the proper response really for the whole old covenant, right? The new has come. Let's recognize it, point to it, and stand aside. Everything that came before, of course, was looking forward to the Messiah. Simeon wasn't threatened by being dismissed. He was a servant, and he was dismissed in peace because he had done his job faithfully. Now, of course, we know how this story goes. And Jesus grows up and when he starts his ministry on earth and starts to, you know, teach and move about the countryside, um, we see a very different response among the religious leaders of his day who were more officially the representatives of the nation of Israel in the Old Covenant. And they were, like, they did anything but step aside. 
They didn't see Jesus and go, this is great. We are so glad you're here, everyone. This is it. Follow him. We're going to, whatever you would have us to do, sir, um, we're just glad you're here. That was, of course, not the attitude, right? They were threatened. They did everything from ignore him to outright persecute him to have him killed. Um, they did not step aside. But Simeon recognizes what Jesus is all about. Because he sees that this whole old system, which is really, it was striving for righteousness through rule keeping. Right? And it involved exclusion for all the Gentiles. It was a salvation that had to be, had to be, uh, upkept through all of these rules, but it was only open to the Jewish people to begin with. And then, you know, there was, there was the rules and the sacrifices and the laws to keep up. And there was this frustrating lack of heart change. Right? You can keep the rules, and some of them were really good at it, but as often as not, the, the more you kept the external rules, it almost, it led to inner pride as often as it led to any kind of real heart change. And I think Simeon, Simeon was in this system, and I think he maybe saw that and said, this, this is what we can set aside. There's something new coming that's going to overcome the shortcomings of the old the old covenant. The old covenant was never meant to be permanent. And he saw this baby and he rejoiced. He goes on to say, dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And you get another one of these neat sort of um, more Old Testament style patterns where he, in this case, he moves from the specific to the general and then more back to the specific, all talking about this idea of, of revelation or what my, you know, what has been shown to us. So he starts, my eyes have seen your salvation. This is great because he's looking at a baby, right? And this does not necessarily look like salvation. This is a helpless little person that, I mean, it's totally dependent on its parents and it's, but he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. But it's not just this little, it's you've prepared it in sight of all the people. So he moves from very specific to very general. You've done this in front of everybody. And it's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So it's not just amongst all the people here in this temple where he was standing or all of our people, the, the nation of Israel to whom the Messiah was promised. But he sees it goes bigger than that. It's a light of revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel, he moves back slightly smaller scale. He says it, it encompasses everything from one end to the other. From me as an individual to, to the whole world, to our nation of Israel. He sees this happening. And, and this glimpse of salvation for the Gentiles through the Jewish Messiah, that's huge. And again, as we, we've talked about it and you can see it as you go through um, not just the Gospels, but the rest of the New Testament, even even after Jesus has has ascended and his his disciples know he was the Son of God. He, this is it. They're they're doing this new thing. But the idea of the Gentiles being allowed in was a learning curve even for them. So at this stage in the game, this would have this I don't know that they would have been thinking about this, but Simeon utters it. And of course he's speaking full of the Holy Spirit, but it's not it's not unknown. It's frequently alluded to in the prophecies if you go and look. And I think the passage that it was interesting as I was as I was prepping for this in my 
in my regular devotions, I was moving through Isaiah. And we know Isaiah is just studded with messianic prophecies. But I, I came through um, chapter 49, and verse 6 just hit me again like a truck. And I'm like, was this here the whole time? I don't remember reading this. But it says, he, this is God, God says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. In this passage, Isaiah is saying God is speaking to this servant he's going to raise up. He says, you know what? You're going to do a great job bringing salvation to our people, but it's like that's too small for what I have in mind. I'm going to I'm going to blow open the door and I'm going to extend it from our people Israel to to the Gentiles so that my salvation may be to the ends of the earth. God is thinking big picture even way back when he's speaking to Isaiah. So so the precedent was there. Simeon wasn't he wasn't saying something that they hadn't been told before, but I think it's a it's a great reminder. And what he says echoes Isaiah and you think maybe maybe having read that passage some of that wording was in his mind but he he emphasizes that idea that he's not just my salvation it's revelation for all all of the people he was standing in the temple when he said that the temple was in Jerusalem and Jerusalem was under Roman occupation and the feelings towards Gentiles you know, that would, the people in the temple wouldn't have been super warm and cuddly feeling towards it. Oh, good. I'm so glad they get their chance. That is good news, Simeon. Thank you. Remind me again. How is this going to work? Salvation, not just for us, but for these Roman dogs, too. Oh, that is good news. They were not writing Christmas cards at this point, celebrating the light to the Gentiles. This would have been a very controversial. It's like, hold on. What did you just say? But there it is. It's in the scripture and Simeon is just echoing that great truth. It's not just about us. This is bigger. He says this involves everybody. And in a way, you have, you have Simeon's song. It's sort of like a contrast. It's like a bookend to Mary's song. And I think there's a reason that they're arranged like this. You know, Mary's song is, uh, is all about the great things God is about to do. And Simeon, while looking forward, it's this idea, the sound of it, the feel of it is more like, ah, it's done, it's complete, right? He's, he's checking out. So as, as Eugene Peterson puts it, I found this, this quote, and he puts it so well. He says, the young girl in Mary's song, you've got the young girl starting out in submission to God's word, right? Let it be to me as you've said. And then you've got the old man ending in submission to God's word. Ah, your word has come true. Sovereign Lord, just as you promised, here it is. But it's not just for us, it's for the Gentiles as well. But then we get this, this part after the song. I wasn't sure to include it, but it's just, it's so crucial because it's still Simeon talking and I think it's, it's a big part of what's going on. And so, you know, it's, yeah, I'm not going to go there. We'll just move along <laughs> with the notes. You just dodged a bullet. You don't even know it. Okay, um, so you come into this section after the song, right? So Simeon has said this, and whether he actually sang it like a song or uttered it like a poem, something about it we understand uh, the way it was recorded, that it was it was more song-like. And then it goes back 
the, the passage goes back into this more narrative prose and it says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. You know, they knew a lot about who Jesus was and who he was going to be and what it was all about. But, but seeing it come from this stranger who God was just using this man to confirm to them and paint an even bigger picture of what this child was to become. And they're marveling at it. And then Simeon blessed them. And then he said some words to Mary. He said, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. And it ties in really, really well again with that Isaiah 49 passage because... Well, 49, verse 6, you could turn there if you want to Isaiah 49. Um, you know, verse 6 is that one that talks about, you know, it's too small. My servant who I'm going to raise up, it's too small for you just to be salvation for Jacob and for the house of Israel. I'm going to make you salvation for the whole world, to the Gentiles. The, the very next verse says, this is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to, to him who was abhorred, by the nation, who was rejected, who was hated by the nation. To the servant of rulers, God says, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see you and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. I hope I don't need that page. So in the very next passage in Isaiah, you've got something that parallels the very next thing Simeon says. And I think Simeon must have known the book of Isaiah. And of course, the same author, the Holy Spirit, is is speaking through him. But you've got this this parallel between the idea, again, when Jesus comes, things are not just going to stay the same. Jesus was not a continuation of the status quo. This was a major upsetting event, right? As Simeon says, it's going to be the rising and falling of many in Israel. People who were... um, You know, kind of the big dogs under the old system. Man, the system Jesus is bringing in is going to really, really threaten them. But then the people who were without hope, right? The low people, the sinners, the outcasts, everyone in the world who wasn't a Jew, all of the Gentiles, all of these people who were outside, man, they stand to gain tremendously through what Jesus is bringing in. And so this, this idea of he's going to upset things. Some things, some people are going to go up and some people who are up are going to go down and, and he's going to be spoken against, right? Nobody likes change. Who was it? Was it Mark Twain? Said no one likes change, but a wet baby. And even then I've dealt with wet babies and they'll fight you on that. Sometimes it's like, kid, you are soggy. Your diaper weighs as much as your head. Let me change this. You know, But, you know, change is hard. Even change that's good is hard. This is a church in transition, right? Change is hard. My, Our church down the road at, at Oxford, we just a year ago came through pastoral change. It took two years of tough sledding. And change is hard. The change that Jesus was going to bring in was going to be unbelievably earth-shattering for people. And and as Simeon says, he is going to be a sign that will be spoken against. And as Isaiah said, straight up, he's the one who is abhorred by the nation. The nation that he comes to is going to reject him. And we know that's true, right? The, the religious establishment who was representative of the nation of Israel utterly rejected Jesus. He was spoken against and uh, he was a major disruption to the existing order. 
We saw a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Mary's song that there's no way to get around the fact that the incarnation, God coming and being born among us, is an attack on the proud. It, it can't not be, right? Again, it's sort of like when the, when the king shows up, the servants recognize him. You're either going to stand aside or you're going to fight and say, well, no, I, I want to be the boss. And if you are not, if you're not humble, if you are arrogant, if you are proud, uh, the, the real king showing up is bad news. It's, and that's as true then as it is today. This theme is continued in this, in this song and in the words of Simeon to the couple. And then, of course, he ends with that great encouraging word to this new young mom, probably sleep deprived, a solid month into new motherhood. He blesses her. He says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Like, thanks, Simeon. That's, that's really encouraging, buddy. I'm just so blessed. <laughs> like, what? But of course we know he's, he's seeing clearly what's going to happen. It's like, Mary, this is going to, this is going to hurt you as well. Like, you don't get a free ride just because you're his mom. And of course he's, he's seeing and predicting. And this is maybe the first time in the New Testament that you see this prediction of, of the Messiah coming, but he's going to meet a violent end. Um, but even in that, God is sovereign. So what can we take from this? I, I've, in my own notes, I put goofy titles. I spared you guys, which is great. But section four is Simeon Says. It's like Simon Says, but what does Simeon say? Simeon's song is an example of the correct response to the coming of the Messiah. It is. Simeon starts by recognizing God's sovereignty. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. He, he calls him. He recognizes that God is sovereign. And for us today, we need to do the same thing. For us today, you know, Jesus was born years and years and years ago. We've been celebrating this for centuries and millennia. But it's always new. And especially if you are here today and it's like, you know what? I just, I just checked in to do the Christmas thing and my great niece or my goddaughter was on the stage. And I don't know any of you, right? So you, you might be new. I don't know. Um, but if you've kind of just been on the surface of this and not really considered what does this have to do with me, I think this has a lot to do with us today. Because this Messiah didn't only come for the nation of Israel in the first century. He came for all of the world up to and including us today. And one of the, fir- the first step is recognizing that God is sovereign. If there is a God at all, he has to be sovereign by definition, right? You can't have a God that's not in charge. That's not a God. So this takes faith. First thing Simeon tells us, it takes faith. You have to recognize that there is a God and that he's sovereign. And then he remembers that he's a servant. You now dismiss your servant in peace. So there is a God. It's not Simeon. Newsflash, it's not you either, right? Compared to God, we are quite correctly much lower. It's an asymmetrical relationship. So as much as we are all about everything being equal in our society today, one and three have to be equal uh, everything has to be equal. Um, you and God are not equal. God and I are not equal. By definition, he's the king and I'm the servant. And the sooner that we get our head around that, the better. That takes humility. And humility isn't something humans have generally in abundance, but it's required, right? When the true king shows up, humility is the proper response. 
And then there's this idea, and Simeon shows us, of setting aside our old ways of trying to save ourselves. I mean, he's he's foretelling the idea of, of the old covenant, right, with the sacrificial system and the laws and those things, which Jesus came not to abolish but to fulfill and change it. Um, but what are we using? You know, we need to set our set aside our ways of trying to save ourselves, whether it's through good works or some kind of subjective morality or personal ambition or the pursuit of peace or pleasure or, like my youth pastor used to say, the gold, the glory, or the girls, like whatever it is that turns your crank, whatever you are using, your old way of trying to get through life, the proper response when the king comes is to set it aside, is to dismiss it in light of his salvation. And that's what Simeon says. Can we see that? He talks about this light of revelation for all people, for the Gentiles, that's us. Is the light dawning for you today? And this applies to us whether we've been, whether we've been walking in light of this truth for a long time or whether we've never really considered it before. The old ways creep in, right? The old tendency to to get by on our own steam never totally goes away. And Simeon shows us very clearly proper response when the true king shows up is to recognize him, to humbly step aside, accept his salvation, not our own. Jesus himself said in John chapter 6 that uh, no one comes to him unless the father who sent Jesus draws us to him. There's a sense that God reveals himself to us and draws him to draws us to himself through Christ. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're considering this stuff for the first time. And let me tell you, it's not because I'm clever or eloquent. I'm neither. But I believe that the Holy Spirit continues to work. And maybe he's working in your heart today. And if you're like, you know what? Maybe I need to do something about this. And maybe that feels like good news to you. And maybe it feels like really bad news to you today. But I just want to encourage you, if God is speaking to you today, don't, don't fight against him. And don't delay. Simeon waited his whole life to see this baby. And this is good news that we can easily take for granted. Don't miss it. I guess in conclusion, I just want to say that like Simeon, like Jesus and Mary, like all of the people who were in the temple that day, and it was just an ordinary day, we we are faced with the coming, the advent, the coming of the true king. And like everybody that was there, we have, we have a decision to make. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to respond like Simeon gives us this great example as servants who recognize the king, recognize his claim on our life, recognize the salvation that he brings and, and step aside? Or are we going to do like, like the religious establishment of the day ended up doing and dig in our heels and try and defend our own power, our own pride, our own way of getting by? The choice has, has, in a way, it's always been the same one, and we have it today. And I, it's my prayer that you would, you would quietly look, okay, where am I at with this? Maybe I've acknowledged them with my, with my words or on the surface, but where is my heart? All I can do is encourage you to do that today. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word again today. We thank you for Simeon and for what you spoke through his Holy Spirit. And Father, I know it's easy in a way for us to read this as part of a story that happened a long time ago, but 
one that doesn't it doesn't really have anything to do with us because it happened a long time ago and far, far away, but we know that it has everything to do with us. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for sending him not only as the Messiah of the people of Israel, but as a light to the Gentiles so that your salvation could extend to the ends of the earth. I thank you. That, that takes in all of us. There's none of us that fall outside of your love and your plan for salvation today, and I thank you for that. So, Lord, I pray for these folks who are here today at the Rock Community Church in, in Woodstock in 2016. Lord, you knew us then. You saw us. You, you knew our names even then. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw us to yourself. And if there's anyone in here today that you are speaking to their heart, you're drawing them to yourself, and they are facing again that choice. Are they going to be king or are they going to recognize you as king? Lord, soften their heart to the light of your gospel, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen.